Welcome to the show today, guys. Thank you so much for tuning back in. Uh, just a couple amazing conversations in Washington, D.C. for the March for Life. Um, we always have to stop into a studio and sit with some of our favorite people and warriors for life in the pro-life space, especially with the overturning of Roe v. Wade, uh, with a president who can't remember his own name, with states codifying abortion through point of birth, um, states making abortion illegal, uh, and yet we're approaching 55, some people think 60% of annual abortion rate being the pill. Um, that's happening in pro-life states that have banned abortion. Um, the battle's like really heated up and it's really important for you to hear the voices who have been shaping and leading the movement for a long, long time. And one of our probably favorite guests on Unaborted is Melissa Odin, um, the founder and president of the Abortion Survivors Network like the most unique organization, like not just in the pro-life movement, but like in the entire country. And, and it's it's so unique that people don't know what the phrase means. They think like, oh, I'm an abortion survivor because I had an abortion. It's like, that's not what that means. Actually, abortions are actually not performed on women. They're actually performed on babies. Um, and if, if that offends you, I'm sorry. I'm if, if you need healing, we love you. We're praying for you. Go through a healing curriculum. It was your baby who was murdered. So abortions are actually performed on babies. Sometimes a baby survives an abortion. And it's like one of the least talked about things in the culture. Nobody believes them. And in a culture that says, oh, me too. Believe all women. Believe survivors. Um, nobody's talking about like the most traumatic thing you could survive. And so we have joining us again today on Unaborted, Melissa Odin of the Abortion Survivors Network for a, a compelling and powerful conversation. Stay tuned. I'm Seth Gruber, and this is Unaborted. <laughs> Melissa, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I think, you know, you still took my podcast title. I, oh, I, I know. I know. Well, you, mine. you should have told me. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's actually how we met, I think, was through the podcast. I don't yeah. remember how, actually. It's like 2019, I think. It was a long time ago. And as, as we talk about folks who are leaders, I can't say enough times, you have been this consistent driving force in the pro-life movement who has said, give survivors a voice. We need to talk about this. Yeah. So that is you and your leadership yeah, for yeah. us. Well, I've always said you're the bane of the of the pro-abortion movement and and because like there there are some things that are like are so macabre and like demonic that there's certain instances and contexts when it just becomes so blatantly obvious like w w most christians in america are functional atheists and what i mean by that is like they are doing all the christian rhythms maybe they're even part of a small group and they're reading through a book of the bible but like functionally it's it's like they live like an atheist it's it's like they're, they're not contending against demonic forces like like abortion is demonic like i've always said it's the sacrament of satan because abortion says you must die so i can live but christ says no i must die so you can live like it, it, but sometimes there are instances when that like darkness just becomes so in your face and like some of the times is like when you or members of your team 
share your story publicly. It's like the gnarliest thing. On Capitol Hill sometimes, in front of, we, we've talked about like Busy Phillips before. You guys, if you listen to this podcast, you probably didn't know who that is. She's some crazy like slut of a feminist who just sleeps her way around Hollywood and like says abortion is empowering, whatever. Um, but like these people on the Hill and they won't even look at you. It's like the gnarliest thing. Like, can you talk about that for like um, listeners who haven't heard your story before because it's been a year? Um, like, first of all, you survived a saline salt infused abortion. You were being burned in the uterus with saline salt solution. Right. You're an abortion survivor. But like to be like, if abortion is about women's rights, where were mine? And like, they won't even look at you. Like, take us into that room in those instances. Like, what's that like? What's that darkness like? Well, and to raise your point that you've already articulated so well, abortion survivors are simply someone who survived an attempt to abort them, yeah. right? It's not everybody who was born after Roe versus Wade. It's not the no. women who had an abortion. And we don't mean that in a demeaning way. Words have power, and we know that. The yeah. other side is so masterful at language. That's how they've gotten us to this place in our culture. Yeah, that's right. So in many ways, we have to kind of over-communicate who an abortion survivor is and claim that back as something that we shouldn't have to be ashamed of. Right. We have lots of folks here in DC this week who are wearing our shirts that say miracles happen. Yeah, and should we be ashamed of the fact that we're miracles? No, we shouldn't have to be. But the abortion industry and the media that is fueling all of this makes us feel like we should somehow be ashamed and be quiet and never show up on the Hill. Right, right. And so that's been what I've gone through in the last, I don't know, how long have I been doing this now? 16 years, 17 years, I don't know anymore. But I gave up a safe, comfortable life where nobody ever would have known my story. But I can tell you that I had a moment at a funeral of a family member when they talked about her and her faith and how much she loved Jesus. And I had this moment, Seth, where I went, what do I want people to ever know about me mm -hmm. when I leave this world? Right. And I don't want them to just know that I love Jesus. They would have already known that. But I can't imagine people not knowing what God has done in my life. Right. And so there is that darkness, right? That we right. would live in a culture and we would be run by politicians who want to say, you are not a miracle. You don't even exist. You must be a liar. You're fictional, right? You are a Republican-made machine to right. somehow right. take down women's reproductive rights. I mean, for real? Right. Do I look that scary? And a little bit. When they've tried to say over the years, like essentially, like pat you on the head, I'm a aren't you? Afraid of you. <laughs> aren't you? Aren't you cute? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You aren't even relevant to this conversation. Right, right. Or there's only one of you. Well, isn't that such a demeaning thing to someone who has been victimized by anything to go? You know what? This doesn't happen to anyone. It didn't happen to you. You're a liar. And P.S. There must be just like one of you. Yeah. Right. Right. So it's well, and, and you you said before, like you were a feminist. Absolutely. Like, so like, so, you know, it's like, oh, okay, you're just using this as a story because you're a tool of the GOP <laughs> to take down the Democrats sacrament of abortion. You're probably getting paid really well. Either you're making this up or if it is true, like it's like you're like one or two out of like 20 million or whatever. It's like, okay, for like, just take us to your personal experience of being like, well, wait a second. I, I supported a woman's right to get an abortion 
and then learning that oh, how did you say it um um the act that nearly took my life um mm-hmm. well, say that that powerful yeah one. well that's you know over the years we were actually talking about this tonight on the way here like what committees have you testified at i mean enough that i don't keep track right anymore and one of the lines that I've had to share with them time and time again, and I shouldn't have to keep saying this, but clearly we need to keep shouting it from the rooftops is, you know, isn't there something wrong when that very act that was meant to take my life is now the right that I'm supposed to be exercising, right? Mm. I mean, isn't and isn't it wrong when <laughs> someone's supposed right is based on someone's life ending? There is no other circumstance in our world where people would go, cool, you have a right to do that. Right, right, right. When Senator Feinstein passed away, and I haven't talked a lot about this. I don't know if I've ever talked to you about this. But I had a moment with her after a hearing. And I can't even tell you what year it was. But I remember I remember where I was sitting. And I was talking that day about how you know, I wanted them to reconcile on that committee how I supposedly had this right to an abortion when I never had the simple right to be born. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I kept talking about that in various different ways in that hearing. And after the hearing, she actually approached me. I was still sitting at a table sort of like this. Right. And she approached me and she said, I want to let you know I heard you. Hmm. And I sat there right and thought, is this really happening right now? I... I can't believe this is happening. And all I could do is look up at her and I said, thank you. I'm still going to kill babies, Melissa, but I I heard you. (laughs) Right, but at the end of the day, right, isn't that part of what we're called to do is keep going and speaking the truth? We shouldn't have to keep going. Yeah. But in some respects, this is the world that we're now living in, isn't it? Yeah. Where we still have to show up. And we still have to keep speaking. We'd like to thank our sponsor of the show, Every Life Diaper Company, Every Life Diaper. I'm going to keep saying this because we need to defund a culture of death. We, we need to fund a culture of life, and we need your help to do this. If you're having kids, if you have grandkids, okay, if you want to gift diapers to a friend or a family member who's having kids, if you're at a pregnancy center and you buy diapers to provide to moms that you're loving on, Don't buy them from one of the eight pro-abortion diaper companies. It's ridiculous. The baby industry, for goodness sakes, that profits more when more babies are allowed to be born. (laughs) The baby industry, by and large, rhetorically supports or financially supports the abortion industry. They're helping fund the slaughter of their clientele base. How do you make sense of that? The woke mind virus, humanism, Darwinism, progressivism. It does weird things to the brain. We, as pro-life individuals and Christians, need to fight back with our wallets. Go to everylife.com. Everylife.com. Use promo code Seth10, 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 to get 10% off your first order. Buy diapers from a pro-life diaper company, because guess who is the majority of the customers of the baby industry. It's pro-life conservative Christians who are having babies way more than crazy leftists. So what if we all put our money to pro-life baby industry to defund the culture of death that's funding and profiting off of the slaughter of children? Everylife.com, promo code Seth10, Seth10. Let them know that we sent you and get 10% off your first order. 
Yeah, you said yeah. That, oh, I remember you said it. So how how could the act that nearly took my life simultaneously be my fundamental yep. right to exercise? <laughs> you said that that is, and that was a hundred percent what I said. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, isn't that wild to think about? Um, that's so crazy. We 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 like we we don't even know how to think anymore in our in our country in our republic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you you don't have a right to life, but you do have a right to an abortion. Um. I just, I just is like, I can't imagine what that does to someone who's pro-choice and then learns that they survived an abortion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, what does that do to your, your world, your worldview? And that's what people don't understand about survivors as well. And I think you have figured this out about us because you've spent enough time around us to know that every survivor's experience is so unique and diverse. And yes, there are abortion survivors, babies who survived abortions, who had abortions themselves. And wow. I can tell you that is a painful Wild. experience for most survivors. And it's born out of a place of the trauma that happened to them. And usually it's not talked about in the family. That survivor doesn't often know their story or because of the lack of healing in that family, there's abuse and neglect that then sets the stage for yeah. more trauma. And that's where I challenge anybody who sees themselves as pro-choice or the politicians who want to paint us into a corner and say, everybody but you, look at the lives of survivors and who we really are and our mothers who experienced this and our families who have been impacted by it and do something about it. Help us. Because when they refuse our very existence, what they're doing is not only shaming survivors, but they're shaming the women who experienced the abortion that failed or that they stopped or yeah. they reversed. Yeah. So in this, like, here every woman, well, they're shutting down. Yeah. And they're preventing those families from having healing. Yep. Right. You know what's wild is, you know, what's one of the most popular, like, movie narratives in Hollywood? Like, one of the most, like, a very popular script tons of movies that have been done over the decades this is back when they're like made good films do you remember that (laughs) vaguely vaguely. yeah before it was just like the rock like flexing his you know pectorals or just porn in every film or anyways um the the good hollywood era um how many movies and shows have been done about like an uh an orphan or an adoptee right who wants to be in touch with their biology that wants to know where they came from how many stories and books and biographies and best-selling books and movies have been have been made about I was given away. Mm-hmm. My mom didn't want me. She didn't kill me, but she didn't want me. I was unwanted. If I was wanted enough, they would have sacrificed and figured out how to raise me. And and when when adoptees find out that they're adopted, it's like it it can be a primal wound. Mm-hmm. So there's this like acknowledgement that like being unwanted is painful enough that it it changes your entire person mm-hmm. and view of the world. And so the movie's made about a journey to try to go find my dad or my mom. And that's acknowledged. And those stories are listened to. But if they if if they're if they so didn't want you that they were willing to pay a hitman to kill you and call it healthcare. Well, we want to hear your story. Right. And it's like, whoa, but that's a and, way more primal wound. And the like, story would have been so better. I was so unwanted that like they, they tried to kill me in utero 
rather than just give birth and have a primal wound by being adopted out like by the way adoption is beautiful i'm a christian it's wonderful it's the story of the gospel we're all adopted like but but like we there's studies on this like it's a primal wound mm. and you realize like that that oh that's not my mom and dad for real that's gnarly to find out now find out they tried to murder me oh but you can no shut up well shut and up. they would rewrite, what happened to you was illegal they would rewrite uh, the script the to go yeah 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 that story would be better off written with a different ending yeah right the ending of death and yeah. that that honestly and isn't it's, that the fundamental belief? Isn't that really what the pro-choice movement believes about abortion survivors? It would have been better if you were dead. And somehow we would have been better off with that. I mean, how how do you and your team not just become like angry, just like monsters? I would be so pissed off at the culture. I don't think I'd be very healthy. I'm out not of, very healthy. Out of as all it the is, things, so. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I, I sign me up, right? I'm there. I mean, there's a reason why I do this work. Um, you know, that's the I part. Jesus, I guess. Yeah, and that's the part though that keeps me super passionate and involved in this is knowing I I refuse to let this culture dictate to abortion survivors and their moms and their families what their worth is. I refuse right. to let them keep all of this a secret. Yeah. But at the same time, do I have moments where I go, man, this is so messed up. I can't even believe yeah. I have to have this conversation. I can't believe out of any organization in the pro-life movement that serves women, mm. our organization is the one that serves women who are experiencing their abortions failing right now, both chemical abortion pills, those women are looking for answers. They're looking for help. They're looking Dang. for hope. They're yeah. trying to figure out if they're going to abort the baby again. Dang. So Yet, early. who are they coming to? Do you have a phrase for that, for someone who survives two attempts? They're still an abortion survivor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like double. <sighs> we have doubles, Louise. triples. Oh my gosh. We have. We knew in our community of survivors that we had a number of survivors who survived, say, two rounds of a chemical abortion and then a follow-up DNC. Now, wow. from that standpoint, when doctors look at that and former abortionists, they say that was probably a twin. Oh, gnarly. But again, why is it that we have to be the ones who are figuring all of this out? Yeah. Because if it was a different storyline, our well, culture would the, say, the hey, secret. right, the culture would be like, hey, yeah. let us help you. Let us support you. There would be all of these organizations and all of these services to help serve people. And, but instead, it's like, mm, mm, mm. Melissa, tell the, uh, tell the story that you told like two years ago. Um, man, I'm getting old. Um, of... <laughs> Better you than me. <laughs> uh, you see all these grades? My, my, <laughs> wife, my wife's been welcome, me welcome. how many I have here. Um, of that little girl um, that your ministry worked with and ministered to and what she said when she kind of like that is just like tell that story for people to understand i think i think it's a powerful story for the people listening who maybe never even heard an abortion survivor speak before or never even met one of like what like what this um experience and community really faces mm -hmm. yeah and it is this hidden pain i mean think for a second what it's like for anybody who has gone through something traumatic to live in a culture that maybe doesn't understand it or doesn't support it. But then think about taking that up like on steroids, lighting it on fire. I mean, and that's really been even, I thought I saw so much of it during Roe, which we did, 
and then we hit pause when Roe was overturned. And then what we've seen is just it being stoked even further, the flames. When Governor DeSantis brought up the name of a survivor penny during the first presidential debate in August, I don't know if everybody followed that thread, but what the mainstream media did to Penny oh, that's right. is disgusting. That's right. Tell us about that. Well, it started with them really just questioning who is she, right? And, oh, she is this pro-lifer who, you know, she's trying to restrict women's rights and there's no way that she's a survivor and there's no way this happened and no way that happened. And as you started wow. to see it morph and it lasted a long time, that news cycle, it lasted way longer than what it typically does. What you saw then was the shift from them saying, no, that couldn't have happened to her. She's lying to, oh gosh, she survived a coat hanger attempt to abort her like Pastor Jack Hibbs. Gnarly. And that is why safe legal abortion is needed. Jeez Louise. Right. So so the problem was it was um, how your parents tried to kill you. Right. It, it just should have been a, a bummer that you were almost ripped apart with a coat hanger. Uh, we're really concerned with your mom, though. I wish she had done it a safer way for her because you're trash. You're not a person. That's so gnarly. And that's that message right there i can tell you is the one that so many survivors have internalized so right. the folks who survived before roe and that's the reality right for the folks who are listening who want to go oh gosh you know what there's always been abortion and there always will be does that make it okay yeah right right yeah, yeah. as christians especially yeah so we can't be accepting that argument but for those who survive before Roe, I can tell you there is this heavy, heavy burden because the message that they've received from our culture, whether it was, you know, purposeful or not, and I would say it's been very purposeful by the abortion industry and the media, which is to say, you know what, it's your fault. Wow. Because your mother needed to abort you illegally in an unsafe, unsanitary way, whatever it is. Blaming the victim. You <laughs> are the reason why Roe had to be here in the first place. Yeah, that's what like degenerate flaming piles of poopy parents say. That's like what abusive, crappy parents say. Why'd you make me hit you? That's so like, that's, that's like it... that's like the abusive drunk dad. Like, why did you make me hit you? You're such a, this is your fault. It's so, like so gnarly. And then when you... Tell that little girl story. Yeah, and that's one of the stories. So for folks who aren't aware, we serve survivors of any age. So yes, there are survivors in their 80s and 90s. People are connected to wow, us and yeah. supported in many different ways. But we also serve a lot of young survivors. We also have support groups for moms who are maybe raising their surviving child and adoptive parents. But Like we, your parents did. Yeah. So we serve some young survivors, so say under 12. My newest book, Abortion Survivors Break Their Silence, came out in early January with focus on the family. And one of those survivors is about 12 years old now. But one of the other 12-year-olds is who you're referencing. And so she's an adoptee, and we worked with her family to help her know that she's a survivor you know first of all talk about ab abortion in an age-appropriate way was then, she 12 at the time you started working she was with? 10. yeah see gnarly man. and it's tough right it's different from family to family and if you're a parent listening and you're thinking uh this is our story and i really don't feel up to this at the age of 10 cool not everybody needs to do it at 10 but you need to be supported you need to have yeah. tools so what we did is work with that family so they could have this conversation and it takes a while right you don't wake up and go okay we're going to talk about these three things by the end of the week 
So what ended up happening is after she found out her story, right, it is painful. It doesn't matter if you're 10 or you're 50. It hurts. Yeah. And one of the questions that she asked me the first time I met with her, and it wasn't the first time she had said it, but it will always stay with me. One of the questions she had, she said, you know, what if my biological mom comes looking for me to finish what she started? And that's what I want our world to understand. Put yourself in her shoes. And no, the answer is not don't tell her her story. Wrong answer. That is the wrong answer. Back it up and address the real issue. So that is the heart of every survivor, right? Of like, and that's, I mean, I, when you're talking about like the sickness of what we do, that's who I am, right? I am fight or flight. I am on 24 seven. And why? Not just because I know the magnitude of the problem, but because my switch got turned on in the womb, right? I was like, you're either gonna fight or you're gonna die, right? Wow, that's a gnarly thing to say. But the other thing that she said to me that I want people to understand too, you know, she said, Melissa, someday I want to be a mommy, right? I want to get married and I want to be a mommy. Such an age appropriate thing for her to be thinking about. And she said, but who would ever love me if they find out what my birth mom did to me? And again, that is the heart of who we are, which is, right, I can't ever let anybody know who I am because I must be unlovable. Right. And even though we can live in a family that can love us and support us the best that we can, whether it's our biological or our adoptive family, we still live in a culture that is like, hey, you over there, you are so unlovable that we're going to say you don't exist. Right. So survivors are constantly living with that push-pull of the biological basis of it all. Yep. Yep. And it and it the the powerful thing about I think it, like abortion survivors speaking is it makes the pro-life position self-evident. I think I've said this in different ways before, but it is that there's a completely objective acknowledgement even from the Democrats, the Nancy Pelosi's, the Busy Phillips, like they, they won't articulate it, right? You know this. They They'll won't say it on social media after. They won't articulate <laughs> this thought, but I know that even because the attorney's written on the heart of man and there's common grace and like we've been made by God, we have a conscience as much as we've seared it in the American culture. And so like deep down, deep down, Melissa, even Nancy Pelosi knows um, if, if she wasn't a complete piece of crap, hack of a tool of Satan, like she knows deep down that that would be a painful experience. Mm-hmm. Like everyone knows that to, to be like, this hurts because I feel like I was unwanted from the moment I came into existence and I was mm-hmm. being attacked for the moment mm-hmm. I came into existence. And, and the reason why that screams a, a, a obvious common sense self-evident pro-life perspective is because if that wasn't you in the womb then why would you be so impacted now by what happened to you then right it's just it's like come on i mean is it's it, does so it, self-evident does the trauma come after you're born i mean right yeah. that <sighs> yeah and that's why you're not allowed to speak right that's why that's why um you know don lemon and chris cuomo before those hacks were fired, a CNN would never have an abortion survivor on the show 
just to be like, wow, so what's that like? Right. You know, they have no interest in that conversation because it, it's too damaging to the entire worldview, to the entire facade of choice. Right. Well, and it allows them to continue to pit women against children. And that's the mm. other part that mm. my eyes have been so open to since the fall of Roe. I mean, we went through this process of having like a 40% increase in the number of survivors who reached out to us. And I was sort of, I was expecting that. 40%. So, wait, we haven't talked about enough about what Abortion Survivors Network does. Tell the listeners about, like, what you do. We do a little bit of everything. I mean, we raise awareness. September is our awareness month because the International Day of Safe Abortion is included in that month. And, you know, we are living testament of the fact that there is no such thing as a safe abortion. <laughs> so, minor detail. Oh, wow, that's, that's that, so that, good. That's such a good line. That made it an easy month for us to do that awareness. But it's so important for us to be able to share stories in a culture that wants to keep silencing us. And so sometimes, yeah, does it feel like we're just kind of like this little pebble? But you know what? together right we keep picking up larger and larger stones so people who are listening who haven't tuned in and even looked at this year's videos go to youtube follow the abortion survivors network be willing to listen to them you know it was so interesting to me because this was the first time we we told really deep stories in many different ways and we had folks who are pro-abortion on social media totally mocking it and going they're not true and people would say did you watch the video no i don't have to i know they're not real Okay. Yeah. So we do a lot of awareness. This year we launched advocates and also ambassadors who are abortion survivors in people's states and sometimes in different nations because we do serve internationally. So folks can go to our website, see who their advocates or ambassadors are in their state and keep watching for more. Now, what I've said before, Melissa, is I've just said like um, one of the most powerful things you do is like you're just there. (laughs) We just breathe. (laughs) So like – there's somewhere for people to go. Yeah, absolutely. And to connect, find community, yeah. heal, then find their voice and be empowered. That's right. Because imagine like, you know, a thousand abortion survivors on the steps of the Supreme Court in five yeah. years saying, you know, we are here. We're real. Um, it's No one knows what to do with you. And that's what it's ultimately going to take. Right. And. When other folks are questioning it and saying, Melissa, if there are these thousands of abortion survivors every year in the United States alone, where are they? Well, they might be a baby in utero right now who survived the first attempt to abort them and may be aborted again, sadly. Right. We don't even know how many of those are, but I can tell you that we serve their moms right now. Mm-hmm. They may be five years old, 10 years old, not know their story. They could be 30 and feel like they're the only one, right, because of our culture that sends the message and silence and shames, most survivors think they're the only one. And you're like, I can't tell anybody this. So you're right. We do awareness. We do healing. We offer community. We provide opportunities to find and use your voice. Not everybody is going to go testify before Congress, but we want to give people the opportunity that they feel like they can. Yeah, totally. Yeah, that's good. And ultimately reach those people so that, yes, the number keeps growing. We've reached over 700 and some right now. I can't even tell you the number because part of the the difficulty for us tracking right now is we serve so many women who are pregnant after the abortion pill failed. 
that we mm. can't even count that survivor in utero right now until they're born. Wow, right, right, dang. Yeah, and, and uh, you're, you've been doing a lot of new work on just the abortion pill mm -hmm. and uh, babies surviving medication abortion attempts. Right, and that's what people also wouldn't hear in our culture, right? That meta-analysis would tell us that like 1.1 to and upwards of you know, almost five, six percent. I mean, that and that's in meta-analysis that that's the incidence of the abortion pill failing. Really? And I mean, I've read reports of even higher, like you're looking at double digits. And we know that the later in a pregnancy that the abortion pill is taken, the greater the likelihood is that it's going to fail. And when people hear those words, what I want them to think of is, oh, gosh, the abortion pill failing is a baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A baby who has a future. And that's what so many women reach out to us. I mean, we're looking at... Well, think of all the babies um, whose mothers changed their mind yeah. five, six, seven, nine, ten, twelve hours after taking right. Mifeprex. Those are abortion survivors. Right. Babies who survive successful abortion pill reversal. Yeah. Which is a lot more now. Mm -hmm. In the last few years, is APR is you know, become more popular. Absolutely. So those babies are survivors. And then we have, yes, babies who survive both abortion pills. And yes, do women have concerns about the future for their baby? Yes. But what does that again tell us about what they know? Yeah, that it was a baby. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's the question that we get is tell me what I've done. Yeah. And they want answers. And there's not a lot of good research out there. We're trying to comb through that research and report it back and answer questions. But most of most of the answers that we get are from our community members. So we can say, right, in this sample of, you know, five babies who survived the abortion pill at this gestation, here's what their life looked like. Yeah. <clears throat> We've never talked about it yeah. in the pro-life movement. We've never looked at those outcomes. So that's something Crazy. that I'm glad that we can report. Yeah. If um if you run into me at the steps of the Supreme Court, you got to come up because we're 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 overdue for this. Um, my last year, I had like a camera guy on me with a big fat. Oh no, camera. I re I and remember. So they wouldn't talk to me. I think you like, were texting me. Don't like, give them randomly. content. Don't give them content. It's like coward. Um, so at this time we're gonna have like a, a, just a social media person with a phone a, a, a ways away that doesn't even know that doesn't even look like they're with me so that. Maybe they'll <laughs> they'll have the uh, the testicles or well, I mean, most of these people you don't never know if they've chopped them off, but the, you know that like the courage to actually talk to me. Um, but if you know you got to come up sometime, we got to figure this out so that I can just be like the <laughs> we, we have had a lot of ideas. I can over be the, years. the like I can be the jerk, you know, and be like, <laughs> did she have a right to life? She survived an abortion. Tell her she doesn't matter. You freaking little coward. You puny <laughs> little piece of crap. Tell her, look her in the eye. You stupid piece of crap. Tell her she doesn't have a right to life. And then I can be that person. You yeah. can just sit there. You would like it just a yeah. little bit. Yeah, yeah, I would like that. <laughs> um, you, um, you talked one time about this like interesting phrase or term that was used in this report years ago mm -hmm. to refer to abortion survivors, mm -hmm. and it like totally gives away the game. It totally reveals like how these people view babies, really like human beings, like getting in the w in the way of your way of life mm. they called you 
dreaded complications. That's right. Can you and, talk about that? And that came from the abortion industry themselves. So that was Dr. Willard Cates, who was then the head of abortion surveillance for the CDC. Oh, wow. Or actually, no, sorry. He... That one was actually an abortionist who called us the dreaded complication, but then it was included in the <laughs> dreaded complication series that Cates was quoted in. Uh, but you hear it time and time again from the abortion industry and abortionists themselves that we are this dreaded complication. So mm. something that should be avoided and something that sh should be prevented. And again, as a culture, if they didn't know we were talking about abortion and you knew that they were talking about another human being and you were like, listen, their life, their their livelihood should be avoided at all costs, right? That's yeah. something you need to prevent. What would we call that? Yeah. We know what we would call that. But somehow when it's abortion, they're like, ah, oh, well, listen, it's her choice. Yeah. Yeah, that's wild. Um, one of my favorite lines uh, on the abortion topic period was from this guy named Hadley Arcus. Mm -hmm. um, I think he might still be alive. The guy's like crazy smart. And he said, uh, if abortion is a legal right, um, it's a positive right, a legal right, then the abortion advocate cannot really complain if the state does not permit her an abortion for the same government that can grant rights can take them away. However, if abortion is a natural right, a right that springs from our human nature, then the abortion advocate had that right from the moment she came into existence, the moment of conception. Therefore, we are left with an amusing paradox. <laughs> According to the logic of abortion advocates, unborn women do not have a right to life, but they do have a right to an abortion. <laughs> <laughs> that would be essentially what I was testifying about, right? Yes, that's right. That's why I thought of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what, where was my right to life? Mm -hmm. When did it begin? You know? Right. Yeah. And for people to apply the same principle to their own life. Right. It's so easy for them to somehow look at one of us as, as an abortion survivor and be like, well, well, put yourself in our shoes. I mean, that is bigotry to yeah, somehow right. think that you have a different standard than the rest of us do. Yeah. Well, all pro-choices are bigots because bigots discriminate against others based off of immutable characteristics they have no control over. And the baby can't control the fact that they're smaller, less developed and more dependent. So every pro-choicer is a bigot. And I'm sure my... Um, trolls will like clipping that one but um we we're running <laughs> they've short heard on, it before we're running short on time but like for people who haven't listened to your story before just like share a little bit of it because it's 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 too beautiful and long of a story to 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 condense into one minute but um you overheard a conversation uh or you got into a fight with your sister oh yeah how i found like, out my story like because that's just like take people to that yeah, so I grew up knowing I was adopted. I knew that I had a lot of health issues when I was first born, if we want to use the word born. I mean, I was born. It was accidentally born, but okay, accidentally on what purpose. Do you, what do you say? I, uh, I, I learned that I didn't have a birthday. Right. I had a day. That I was accidentally born alive. And what's the difference between you and me? That's so crazy. Think about that, guys, for a second. Like when, when abortion survivors celebrate their birthday – like, like, how could a birthday be traumatic? Like, birthdays are supposed to be, like, this amazing celebration. 
and it's like wow no that's the day that i have to like relive the fact that like i i barely escaped mm-hmm. that's think about that for a second that's so gnarly yeah and that's again right for people to finally put themselves in our shoes happy so, birthday oh yeah it's like, complicated jeez but I didn't obviously know that I had survived an abortion until I was 14. I got in an argument with my older sister and, um, you know, she shouted out to me, at least my biological parents wanted me. And I was thinking, whoa, <laughs> we're both adoptees. Like, mm, I thought we were on pretty equal footing. And, and she you know, was like, go talk to mom. Right. It got really ominous really quickly. And she you know, started to figure out that she knew something that I didn't. And, you know, I never could have known that our parents had told her my story. And, you know, yeah, put yourselves in 14-year-old Melissa's shoes sitting down on a cold October night asking your mom to explain why your adopted sister would say something like that. And put yourself in my mom's shoes, right, who had lived with that pain for 14 years. They knew that I had survived that abortion like so many parents, they didn't know if, when, why, how, what they would tell me. And so, you know, that night changed our family's course of history. I mean, by the grace of God, right? God's in those details to bring about good in the midst of it all. But it was the most devastating thing to go through. And back then, right, there was no internet. There was nobody talking about failed abortions, stopped abortions, reversed abortions. There was nowhere to go for survivors or families to turn to. Right. And so, yeah, it was this really lonely existence. And so for me, that is one of the most redemptive things God has done in my life is not only connect me with my birth mom, who is now such a huge part of my life, which P.S. She just met my mom and dad for the first time at Christmas. It was amazing. I'll show you photos later. Wow. But it's also such a work of redemption and restoration for me to serve other survivors and have them in my life and serve women just like my biological mother and like my adoptive parents and let the outcomes be different. Yeah. Wish we could get you on the Joe Rogan show. (laughs) Wouldn't that be nuclear for Abortion Survivors Network? He's got more reach than uh, CNN and MSNBC and ABC combined. I don't know why. Isn't that crazy? More people listen to Joe Rogan, <laughs> some weed pot smoking like lib who hates the liberal establishment. And like, man, if we everyone needs to hear the stories of abortion survivors, you're the you're the you're the uh, hidden secret. You're the dreaded complication. You're the dirty little secret of the abortion industry. Where can people um, support uh, abortion survivors network and learn more yeah go to abortionsurvivors.org. you can learn more you can go to our youtube channel follow us at that handle on social media you know we definitely need more folks to help us in spreading the word yep write checks give money guys well and to to drop the truth in the comment box like yep let's go yep yeah we need to get you on university campuses we still got to do that sometime we got to figure out some speaking to her at like UC Berkeley or something like that. <laughs> so baller. You want that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You want that. That's right. I'll just get all riled up and then, um, well, yeah. Well, we're so grateful for your ministry, Melissa. Hope you guys support them. I'm a donor um, and you should support them. There's no other ministry like Abortion Survivors Network. I mean, it's just such unique um, work and no one else can do it. Um, only an abortion survivor can really do that work. You know, I can be supportive, but like it's, you know, you made it, you made it out, you made it, you escaped the pills, 
the vacuum catheter tubes, the forceps. Um, so that's why you guys are such fighters. Thank you. Um, anything new you have coming out? Anything? Uh, yeah, the new book support? came out with focus yeah. Where can on people get your book? Yeah, focus on the family Tyndale. So abortion survivors break their silence. I tell the story of about ten other abortion survivors, including through the voices of women who have stopped their abortion or reversed it. Is it on Amazon? It is on Amazon. All right. And uh, you know, I challenge people who maybe don't support the pro life position or abortion survivors to read it and learn more. Yeah, absolutely. Don't deny our existence if you aren't willing to read the book. Yeah, amen. Well. I encourage you guys to go become a monthly donor at Abortion Survivors Network. Get Melissa's book. Pick up a few. Send it to Pro-Choice Uncle Bob. You know, have a create a little dicey uh, Christmas and Thanksgiving and Easter this year. <laughs> um, thanks, you guys, for tuning in. Uh, go to iTunes, Spotify, YouTube. Um, give us a rating and review. We really appreciate it. It helps me reach more people. If you want to join the White Rose Resistance, go to thewhiterose.life. Uh, $35 a month, you become uh, an ally and you get our training courses. Uh, at $70 a month, you get our book club. But, but if you're listening today, I really want you to go to Abortion Survivors Network. Uh, is it ASN.com? Abortionsurvivors.org. Abortionsurvivors.org. Abortionsurvivors.org.org. Check out their ministry. Uh, get on their newsletter. Become a donor. Uh, 2024, guys, buckle up. This is going to be an intense election year, and uh, we need to we need to get behind the voices um, of people who are the bane of the abortion movement and the Democrat Party. Till next week, I'm Seth Gruber, and this is Unaborted. Unaborted. <laughs>